here we are again for episode two of season two, two and two, for the really, really boring podcast that no one should ever listen to. Again, here we are. Beautiful sunny day here in southeast Queensland. And if you're in a place where it's cold, suck it because it's not here. I'm not happy. Pretty warm today. It's going to be 28 degrees Celsius. If you want to know what that is in Fahrenheit, look it up. I I prefer the cold weather. Do you? I like. This is this is good. This is good. Well, if you like the cold weather, you need to move away. It's too hot for me. It's too hot here. I like being cold and then warming myself up, and then when I get too warm, I just take off like a jacket or something. That's fair. That's fair. I like it cold at night so that I can rug up. Yeah, I, that's the same. I just like it um, cold all the time. During the day, I like it warm. I did live in Melbourne for nine years, and that was a bit too cold the winter for me. Um... See, mm. I like our winters. Like our winters are good, but if it was our like, winters are magnificent. But if, here. but if it wasn't this hot on like closer to summer and it's still kind of spring, mm. like maybe maybe like that kind of winter warmth, like throughout the summer would be yep. nice. Yeah, the summers here are brutal. I will admit, I think high we- humidity. And pretty high temperatures. We're going to get a heat stroke. A heat stroke? Yeah. A heat wave. Heat I think wave. you mean a heat wave. You could get heat stroke if you go out in it. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure we're getting a heat wave. Yeah. It's it's uh, El Nino now. La Nina is finished. And now we have El Nino. So it's going to be hotter and drier. Um. Which is a real problem for us because we're on tank water and we need the rain. Yes. Uh, we, we've we got probably a metre of water left in both water tanks. I'm not sure how much is in ours, but we had to buy... Um, we had to get water delivered. A uh, big tank of water, $400 for... I think it was 22,000 litres. Don't know what that is in gallons. Look it up. <clears throat> if you're of the imperial persuasion. Uh, okay, so here we are for episode two. <laughs> And that was a sneeze. Bless you. And uh, Marceline here was just telling me about her plan to um, get in contact with uh, intelligent life beyond this world. You going to tell us about your plan? So I'm looking for a satellite, right? I'm going to buy a satellite and I'm going to stick it to the top of the roof and then I'm going to put it straight up in the air. Or as straight up as I think it is, because the Earth is round, and you know, we know it's not flat. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna put it. Fight us on that one. I'll, I'll point it straight up, and then um, I'll hook it up to my computer, and I'm gonna send a message out, something like, "Hello, I am from Earth. I'm looking. Um. Uh, hello, I'm from Earth. Is this um, like um." unidentified 
organisms or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something very simple and short. And then um. Then you wait. And then I wait. Yeah. You wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. You could send out a different signal every day. Yeah. You could try different languages. But you don't know any other languages, do you? Yeah. I could get Google problem. Translate. You could do Google Translate. Um, you could get like a computer to read it for you. Yeah. And Interesting. Then, and I was hoping to time it so when a a government um government what's it called uh, mm. satellite goes across the sky to see if I can hit that and Oof, bounce it off the satellite and make my signal stronger. It is a solid plan. Could not possibly fail. But then I'd need to be I need to actually hack into a satellite to find out what times and what That's true. Who knows? You could be the one to find intelligent life out there. Could you imagine being the one who proves that you've found intelligent life beyond this planet? It could be literally three in the morning when it's lined up. So I assume that you actually believe there is intelligent life beyond this world. Uh, Otherwise, you wouldn't be trying to do that. I believe there is because the universe is too big. To say it's just us. I tend to agree. We live in we live in a solar system where other planets don't have intelligent or maybe have intelligent life in our little thing around the sun, and then mm-hmm. that little thing around the sun is tiny compared to the giant swirly thing into a black hole that we live in that has trillions of planets. in Look, it. Look, I agree. The universe is so huge, we couldn't possibly be alone. Like, we don't even know if it ends. Like, it could just go on forever. In which case, surely there'll be another planet with people on it. Or something. Everything has to end. Does it? Why why do we think that? Maybe it just keeps going. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Our science says that something... Everything has to end at a point. So... If it did go forever, it'd be breaking the laws of physics. But then again, we've shown plenty of times that um, we can break the laws of physics. Like, well, that's the thing. We believe <sighs> certain said, things and then those things get disproven. Um, and that science is always about changing your mind because we think certain things. I think it just goes forever. I um, think it never stops. Who was the guy who said, um, like threw an apple up and said, whatever goes up has, must come down? Ah, Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah. If you fly a spaceship into space, it doesn't come back down. Hmm. It just keeps going. Hmm. And so, we broke the laws of physics there. Because there's no gravity in space, if something is moving... just keeps going. If, unless another force um, actually does something to stop it, it will continue at the same velocity. So, well, if it it's moving at the... Sp- speed of sound for instance it will continue moving at the speed of sound until something stops it it will eventually slow down not in space because there's nothing to stop it yeah, it no, just continue going the momentum still counts there is no momentum that's a, that's only because of gravity it just continues like that's that is a law of space travel and funny because it doesn't work like that in space movies but in reality if you get a rocket up into space and you start moving it at a certain speed or velocity, 
it will continue forever at that speed unless something stops it. Interesting, isn't it? Which means it most likely... Because here on Earth, it's gravity and air resistance and all that stuff, but that stuff doesn't exist in space. I could throw a ball right outside and it would go and go and then it would fall and hit the ground and it would stop. Yeah, but in space, you throw that ball, it will continue forever until it hits something or something stops it. There'd have to be some force that would stop it from continuing. Anyway, it's very interesting. Yeah. So, what about UFOs? If you believe there is intelligent life out there, do you believe that UFOs are a real thing? Yes. I, th- I think so too. There's been too many sightings. Yep. It's just, there's too much evidence. There's been millions and millions of sightings for UFOs that people yep. have claimed. And I've seen a UFO before. Have you? Yes. Tell us times. about your UFO. So, so, in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know what a UFO is... It stands for Unidentified Flying Object. Um, usually people believe them to be a spaceship from somewhere else. And, um, Damn, you bring that song back in my head. What, what, back in your head? I had a song that I made up um, a while ago when I was a little kid. And you just brought it back to my head. It's Are you going to sing it for us? It goes, I saw a UFO, I saw a UFO, I saw an unidentified flying object. Nice. And it just repeats. It repeats. I saw a UFO, I saw a UFO, I saw an unidentified flying object. I made it when I saw a UFO once. I wonder if I could put that to music. I saw a UFO, I saw a UFO, I saw an unidentified Flying objects or a UFO. I saw a UFO. I liked it how you the second time UFO first saw. I saw a UFO. I saw a UFO. I saw an unidentified flying object. Yeah, no, maybe. Anyway, I like it. That's pretty cool. So I've seen, seen a, a bit UFO. of UFOs. Oh, that's stuck in my head now. Yeah. It just never ends. So um, unidentified flying object. So one of them was I was looking up at the clouds drinking drinking my chai. I was just sitting on the I was just sitting on the um seat outside just looking yep. at clouds and then watching the cars drive past because I was bored. Yep. And I looked up at the cloud and I saw this dot. Just mm. This white dot that was as white as a cloud, just mm-hmm. like moving through the sky and I was like, That's not a cloud. That's, That's not a drone. Not a cloud. That's got no sound. Like, I, I even went mm. out, um, like, it wasn't, it was hovering, so, it's probably a hundred metres off the ground. Yep. It was quite close, and... How big was it? About the size of that green screen. Okay, so about meter and a half, it's meter like, and a half. So yeah, about f- five foot. I was like, I was like, that's too big to be a drone. I couldn't hear anything hmm. possible, and I just sat there, watched it as it slowly. And every time a cloud would pass over it, you couldn't see it anymore. Like, because it was as wide as a cloud, once a yep. cloud would go over it, it, it just was gone. Like a cloud. 
and then it w- and then the cloud would pass and then see it again. Wow, there you go. And so I saw that it probably was there for about half an hour, and I stood there and watched it. Um, I put my tea down. I I took one step back. I blinked, and it was gone. And my little brother and my little sister had all seen it. Yeah, okay. Like, I called them out, and they all came running out, and they saw it. And then my parents as well also saw it. But the minute the minute, the minute, minute they walked back inside to grab a camera and I blinked, it was gone. Wow. So. And then another one was I saw this, like, like blood red glowing orb when I was driving with my Yaya. Yaya is mm-hmm. Greek for grandma. Um, we're driving a car back to where my parents get me and I was looking out the window and I just saw this red orb, just this blood red orb just sitting over this mountain where, while we were driving on the highway mm. sitting there and it just <coughs> drove past and I stared it. Wow. Stared it. And, and so because we went into a clearing where you could see, yeah, there was no metal pole that led to the top of it, there was no beacon or anything that led <coughs> to it. Nothing. It was just floating there. Crazy. And then we obviously drove to where trees and I couldn't see it anymore. Well, there you go. There was your experience with the UFO. I've never seen one myself. Um, But as a kid, I was obsessed with uh, learning everything I could about UFOs. So a lot of this stuff, because I pulled up the Wikipedia, you know, that's the reputable source we always go to to find information. Um... A lot of this stuff I'm pretty familiar with because I read a lot about as a kid. I used to get books out of the library at school and read about UFOs. Um, It's got... uh, Well, let's just go through. Unidentified flying object is any perceived aerial phenomenon that cannot be immediately identified or explained. Upon investigation, most UFOs are identified as known objects or atmospheric phenomena, while a small number remain unexplained. While unusual sightings have been reported in the sky throughout history, UFOs became culturally prominent after World War II, escalating during the Space Age. Studies and investigations into UFO reports conducted by governments, such as Project Blue Book in the United States and Project Condine in the United Kingdom, as well as by organisations and individuals, have occurred over the years without confirmation of the fantastical claims of believers. The U.S. government currently has two entities to UAP or UFO data collection and analysis. NASA's UAP Independent Study Team and an All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Scientists and skeptic organizations such as the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry have provided prosaic explanations for UFOs, namely that they are caused by natural phenomena, human technology, delusions and hoaxes. Small but vocal groups of ufologists favor unconventional or pseudo-scientific hypothesis often claim that UFOs are evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence, technologically advanced cryptids, interdimensional contact or time travel. But even after decades of promotion of such ideas by believers and in popular media, the kind of evidence required to solidly support such claims has not been forthcoming. Beliefs surrounding UFOs have inspired parts of new religions even as social scientists have identified the ongoing interest and storytelling surrounding UFOs as a modern example of folklore and mythology understandable with psychosocial explanations. Oh yeah, there's another one. So in a whole bunch of um, like Aboriginal, a whole bunch of mythology and stuff, 
yep. um, back in the ages, there's a whole bunch of sightings of these floating objects that they had no idea what they are. Yep. And if they were all the way back then, and they've written in the stories thinking they were these um, like gods or something, yep. then obviously if they were back then and they they can't think of a phenomenon or anything, then they are here now. Hmm. Interesting. Well, what do you think? About what? You think they're from aliens? Or do you think they're time travellers? Or from another dimension? That's probably the three most, um, you know, extraterrestrial... Evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence. That means evidence of people from other planets. Time or travel. beings from other planets. Or what's technologically advanced cryptids mean? I'm going to have a look at that one. Technologically advanced cryptids. Uh, okay, so they're saying that they're not from another planet. They're from Earth, but a different type of creature from Earth. One that has been, um, I guess, hidden from us. Um, that they come from Earth... But they're different. So they're like aliens, but they're not. They're from our planet. That's that's what the this belief is. Or they're aliens that are on planet Earth and the government's trying to hide them. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, I, the, the, I've, never, I've never actually heard that one before, but that's, that's an interesting hypothesis that there are other races on this planet that are hidden from us and that they are the ones that have the UFOs. So, obviously, they would be technologically advanced, or could be from another dimension, or could be from time travel. So, there's four possible explanations. Well, the fifth ex- explanation is that they're all hoaxes or mistaken, like a uh, someone had a delusion, or they were on acid, or something. Um, so that's one that they're all either a hoax. Or mistaken identity, or people had a, a psychotic delusion, or whatever. So there's that's that's number one. Number two, um, that it's from another planet. Number three, from this planet, but more advanced race uh, that we don't know about. Number four, interdimensional contact, so from a different dimension. And number five, time travelers. The time science says that if you go faster than the speed of light, um, you go back in time. Yep. Nobody knows because we've never seen something at the speed of light. Yeah, you would just turn to light unless. Well, I think there's probably a way to do it. We just haven't discovered it yet. Yes. Um. I think we'd have to break the laws of physics, though. Well, I don't think you can't break the laws of physics. All you can do is break the laws that we believe and then we find out those laws actually weren't true because physics is is reality Um, so if you break the laws of physics then that law was not really a law so that's my two cents on that anyway Uh, but yeah you you can say say break the laws of physics I don't know 
But then why wouldn't they go to the government and help us if they wanted something changed? Yeah. Um, from a different dimension, I think there may be a chance because... That could be. Nobody knows what a black hole well, is. Well, that's the thing. Like, we have three dimensions here, but what if there are four, five, six dimensions? What if there is another way um, to, you know... Like, you think about the way that our world is made up of all these atoms. What about the space between the atoms? What about things that are smaller? And maybe they can travel between those atoms. I don't know. Um, so There's so like much we don't know. Black holes. Mm. So they say when you get close to a black hole, your body, st- your body like slows down aging. Right. And so everything around you will age a lot faster. Hmm. So say it's a day in a day close to a black hole, it's three years on Earth, right? Yeah. So that's what they say. But if a black hole's actually, and then they say it spaghettifies you, so basically, ter- and then destroys your matter, so it gets rid of it. Yeah. But then that breaks one of the laws of physics that we made up, which is energy can't be destroyed. Yeah. And so nobody knows if a nobody knows if a um black holes or wormhole or because if it leads to a different dimension then aliens and then there's there's white holes yep. that push things away what if when you go into a black hole you come out of a white hole and you you're in a new dimension who knows and that's so, an interesting idea and so nobody knows so if aliens are from or people from different dimensions all they have to do is go through a black hole Yep. And then that end up in a different dimension. Right. Hmm. Maybe. Hard to tell. We obviously we don't know, this is all speculation, but it's fun to it's fun to think about. It opens up the imagination, doesn't it? Yeah. Um I remember learning about this one. Kenneth Arnold's UFO sighting um is probably the first modern I guess um sighting that we know about. Kenneth Arnold uh, was a pilot. He was a private pilot in 1947. It was June 24, 1947. And he claimed he saw a string of nine shiny unidentified flying objects flying past Mount Rainer at speeds that Arnold estimated at a minimum of 1,200 miles an hour. So that's nearly 2,000 kilometers an hour. That is fast. Yes. So this was the first post-World War II sighting in the United States. And this was the one... That gathered a lot of media attention, and um, you know, before that, there were sightings. The American, I think it was American, it might have been the British. Um, they had a term for them. They called them Foo Fighters, uh, which is funnily enough where the uh, the band Foo Fighters got their name from. UFOs back in that those days, uh, many pilots referred to them as Foo Fighters. Why were they called Foo Fighters? Uh, just Foo, I guess, is like. Um, so. Mystical, foo like like fake or um, pretend, I don't know. Um, yeah, but that this was the first one that gathered a lot of media attention. So he was flying from Chehalis, Washington, to Yakima, Washington, in a Call Air A two on a business trip. Made a brief tour after learning of a five thousand dollar reward for the discovery of the U.S. Marine Corps C-46 transport airplane that had crashed near Mount Rainer. The skies were completely clear and there was a mild wind. A few minutes before 3 p.m. at about 9,000 feet, 
in altitude and near Mineral, Washington. He gave up his search and started heading towards Yakima. He saw a bright flashing light, similar to sunlight reflecting from a mirror. Afraid he might be dangerously close to another aircraft, Arnold scanned the skies around him, but all he could detect was a DC-4 to his left and behind him, about 15 miles away, and with the assistance of ground radar. So it was a mystery. What was this flash? What was the thing he saw in the mirror? About 30 seconds after seeing the first flash of light, Arnold saw a series of bright flashes in the distance off to his left, or north of Mount Rainer, which was then from 20 to 25 miles away. He thought they might be reflections on his airplane's window, but a few quick tests, rocking his airplane from side to side, removing his eyeglasses, later rolling down the side window, ruled this out. The reflections came from flying objects. They flew in a long chain, and Arnold, for a moment, considered they might be a flock of geese, but quickly ruled this out for a number of reasons, including the altitude, bright glint, and obviously very fast speed. He then thought they might be a new type of jet, started looking intently for a tail, and was surprised he couldn't find any. They quickly approached Rainer and then passed in front, and uh, usually appearing dark in profile against the bright white snowfield covering Rainer, but occasionally still giving off bright light flashes as they flipped around erratically. Sometimes he said he could see them on edge when they seemed so thin and flat they were practically invisible. So he described them as a series of objects with convex shapes, though he later revealed that the object drift differed by being crescent-shaped. Several years later, Arnold would state he likened their movement to saucers skipping on water without comparing their actual shapes to saucers. But initial quotes from him do indeed have him comparing the shape to a saucer, disc, pie pan, or half moon, or generally convex and thin. So he saw... That's that's where the name Flying Saucer came from. Because this guy saw them and he said they looked like saucers. Uh, so, yeah... He um, was the first one to really gain the attention of the US media, and it—it—that's uh, pretty much it. He just saw them and said, "Yeah, I don't think there was any proof of it. It was just his word." What do you think? I don't know. Don't know. The U.S. military investigated and they found another witness from the area, a member of Washington State Forest Service, who had been on fire watch at a tower in Diamond Gap about 20 miles south of Yakima, reported seeing flashes at 3 p.m. on the 24th over Mount Rainer. So someone else saw it. Uh, other Seattle area newspapers also reported other sightings of flashing, rapidly moving unknown objects on the same day, but not at the same time as Arnold sighting. Most of these sightings were over Seattle or west of Seattle in the town of Bremerman, either that morning or night. Okay, I kind of believe that now. Because if two people have seen it at the same time, and then there's other people who have seen it after that, then, yeah. And then, ten days later, a United Airlines crew over Idaho, en route to Seattle, also spotted five five to nine disc-like objects that paced their plane for 10 to 15 minutes before suddenly disappearing. So, and then there's also a photograph. Eight Arnold-like objects photographed over Tusla, Oklahoma, July 2012, 1947. So there's a just a black and white picture and there are 
a bunch of disc shaped objects. So yeah, there is there is um, corroborative corroborative evidence. Uh, so yeah, that was the first um, big one that gained a lot of media attention. Uh, first investigation of Arnold's claim came from Lieutenant. Frank Brown and Captain William Davidson of Hamilton Field in California. And they concluded, it is the present opinion of the interviewer that Mr. Arnold actually saw what he stated he saw. It is difficult to believe that a man of his character and apparent integrity would state that he saw objects and write up a report to the extent that he did if he did not see them. But there were others who just thought he was being silly. Interesting. Yeah, so... Who knows? Interesting one. Uh, that was the first big one. We've got a lot of other ones here. What should we do? What do you want to do? You want to look up um, famous UFO sightings? Yeah, sure. Famous UFO sightings. See, these days, if someone put out a video or whatever, I'd just be like, oh, you just got AI to make it or it was used, you just used, you know, special effects or whatever. I've, I've done quite a bit of research in this and, like, there's sites that you try and go into and they, the government's block them for UFOs and stuff. Yep. And it's like, well, it's like this, this, um, this site is secure with Google. You try and go into it, it's like, government has blocked this site. Mm. You cannot use it. I'm like, why? Why are they blocking it? Why are they silencing people? All right, we've got three to choose from. The five most credible modern UFO sightings. Top ten mysterious UFO sightings that still haunt witnesses. Or history's most famous UFO sightings. Top ten. The top ten mysterious UFO sightings. And how long have we been going? We've been going for 30 minutes, so we've got time for this. The top 10 mysterious UFO sightings that still haunt witnesses. We've got a picture of a little alien guy. That's what people think aliens look like. Yeah. What if they actually look like that and the government's just doing this so we think they look like that, but mm. they don't. And they do, so we think aliens might not look like that. Well, the Pentagon releases UFO videos taken by US Navy pilots, so that could be interesting. Why don't we watch that? Well, we can watch it, but our listeners won't be able to watch it. We could tell them the video. Alright. We're watching. And uh, it's just some lines. And there's a mysterious dot in the middle. And the dot just, like, got bigger, like, exploded. Then disappeared and became huge. And there's a black dot. So this is actual footage from a U.S. Navy pilot. So the U.S. Navy pilot has, um, like, started videoing and its camera is catching this. Yeah, so there's this big dot. And now it's it's changed again and become... I I think the black and white one is, um, like, thermal vision. Yeah, maybe. And then this one's not. So there's this little dot and it's just moving around, like, really fast. And then now it's still... 
and it will disappear and you'll turn it into thermal vision and it's actually very very hot it's it's not very inspiring i've got to say it's just a blob and then it just disappeared and then became small now it's moving around Okay, now we can hear radio chatter. They're following a fast-moving object. Thermal vision now, and it's some interesting shape. It's like a saucer shape, I suppose. Yeah, it's got like the it's got like the flat line, and then the two bumps on the side. And the pilots are very confused. About the way it's rotating. Yeah, it's just rotating in kind of yeah. circle. And then they're showing a further out view. It's very fast moving vehicle. Or it's, object, I suppose. It's moving. It, like the camera The camera couldn't catch it for a little bit. And now the camera's caught the um thing that it's... They've, they're very excited that they've locked a camera onto it. And uh, yeah... It must have been really hard to lock the camera onto it, though. Yeah, they're a bit. They were a bit excited there, weren't they? That they they caught a few of it. Well, I think moving at that speed, the camera wouldn't want to hook onto it. Yeah, but they they hooked it on, and then they were very excited. Um, yeah. So there are I don't unidentified things out there that we don't know what it is. Have you heard of the tic tac ones, the ones that look like tic tacs? Hmm. Yeah, so, so they remain unexplained. The government, um, so people say the gov, so the government found a like there was a pilot who was, um, the, there was a pilot who was flying and he had his normal vision and his thermal vision. Yep. And he couldn't see anything in his normal vision, but as soon as he looked at his thermal vision, he could see the tic tac shaped thing. Hmm. His normal vision, you couldn't see it. Even if you looked out the window, you could see nothing. But in thermal vision, you could see a tic tac. Yep. It was it was really hot and. And he said, he said, he said the only way you could see it was on there, and it was there for a sec, and then it moved. At, he was, he was saying it was moving at like Mach two or something, and it just, it was one second there, and it just shot straight up. And he turned his plane to watch it, and it, he saw it for a little bit more, and it was gone. Yep, that's crazy, isn't it? Well, this one, number one, we are not crazy. Pilots tell Yellowknife air traffic controllers in 2023. So that's happened this year. Canadian air traffic controllers and pilots couldn't identify two white lights moving in a circular pattern reported over Canada's Northwest Territories in 2023. Good evening. Just wondering, do you got two planes that are just to the east of your field doing circuits or maneuvers? That's what they asked. And then uh, the um, traffic controller said, negative. I have no reported traffic in the area. And then they asked, do you have a visual on something? And the crew, they said, yeah, we're looking at two lights dancing around here to the east of your field. They're above us about, I don't know what. We're not seeing them on TCAS, which is the Traffic Collision Avoidance System. But we can see the lights moving around. And then they said, we're not crazy. No, we believe you, the air traffic controller replies. The sighting remains unexplained. Interesting. The number two, the Phoenix Lights Incident, 1997, Arizona, in the U.S. 
1997, multiple witnesses reported seeing a large triangular-shaped object flying over Phoenix, Arizona. The object was described as being massive in size, silent, and emitting a series of lights. Despite the numerous eyewitness accounts and photographic evidence, the Phoenix Lights incident remains a topic of debate and speculation. Some believe that the object was a secret military aircraft, while others believe it was an extraterrestrial spacecraft. There's a video of that one. Shall we watch that? Oh, these are the lights? Or are these the triangles? So very, uh... Uh, it's a 22-minute video, so we're not going to watch all of that. So it's that very shaky um, camera work there. Just some lights in the sky. In a triangle pattern. Mm. What do you think about that one? How do you think you'd react if you looked up and there was like all these lights up in the sky? If it was lights and triangle, I'd be like, oh, what am I meant to do now? <laughs> and then I'd probably yell it to um, my parents and be like, hey. Be a bit freaky, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's, tr- there's like a big patterns in the sky. You know, can you like grab a camera or something to make sure, yep. make sure I'm not going crazy? Yeah. They'd probably come out and be like, no, no, you're not going crazy in the slightest. Number three. Randlesham Forest Incident, 1980, in Suffolk, England. Uh, It took place near a military base, US-UK military base. According to eyewitnesses, military officers encountered an unidentified glowing object in the forest, which they described as being metallic and emitting a bright light. They also reported strange symbols etched on this object's surface, and they claimed that they experienced a range of physical and psychological effects after the encounter. Despite an official investigation by the military, the Rendlesham Forest incident remains unexplained. What do you mean by, like, mental and physical? So they afterwards would have psychologically had, like, maybe some anxiety about it, or maybe, like, a breakdown. Um, Hard to know. Like, physical, maybe they, like, were tired, or maybe they were really sore in some way. Interesting. Yeah, fascinating one, that. And the interesting one about that one is it is military officers who reported it. And a lot of people say these objects are military in origin. But if they're military in origin, why would the military be reporting them as unidentified? So that's an interesting one. I feel like that picture's constantly staring at me. The tiger? Oh, the picture. <laughs> I have a, a picture that one of my students painted. Um, yeah, it's got very big... That, that's that's the the UFO person looking at you. Yeah, it's got barely any white in his eyes. It just looks like... like every time I turn around, I actually... It's just like big black round eyes. It's a little bit of white around This is a bit freaky. Yeah. All right. Number four. The Gulf Breeze 6... That's just an ad. The Gulf Breeze 6, 1987-88, Gulf Breeze, Florida. So this is over two years. The Gulf Breeze 6 refers to a series of UFO sightings that took place in Gulf Breeze, Florida in the late 1980s. According to accounts, six Florida residents claimed to have encountered a series of flying objects, including a large triangular-shaped craft. Some believe that the sightings were genuine encounters with extraterrestrial extraterrestrial craft while others argue that they were hoaxes 
or misidentifications of other aircraft. Despite official investigations, there are no clear-cut answers. And they've got a picture of two flying saucers, but then it says image is for illustration purposes only. So that's not what it actually looked like. No one's ever caught a picture that clear yeah. of UFOs, which is, which is interesting, isn't it? What is this? Seven jet setting secrets of the US President's Air Force One. How did I open that? All right, now let's move on. Number five. The Westall UFO incident, 1966, Melbourne, Australia. I know where Westall is. I used to live near there. Hmm? That's a UFO right there. Oh, yeah. It's a playground UFO. The Westall UFO incident took place in Melbourne, Australia in 1966 when a large disc-shaped object was seen hovering low in the sky above a school in the suburb of Westall. The object was described as being silent and emitting a bright light and it reportedly landed briefly in a nearby field before taking off again. The sighting was reported by multiple witnesses including students and teachers at the school. The site is now a UFO-themed children's playground. Hence the picture of the UFO playground thing. There you go. So multiple people, including teachers and students. You know, if the students had said, oh, we saw a UFO, you'd be like, oh, yeah, right. But if the teachers said it too, that's got a little bit more credibility. It said, it said a whole bunch of students, like lots and lots of different people saw it, and then also a bunch of teachers also saw it. So that's right. If you've got that many people claiming that they all saw the exact They thing, saw something. They, they must have. And they all saw the exact same UFO doing yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is if maybe it was a shared hallucination is probably the only explanation that isn't, if it wasn't real. How are you supposed to have a shared hallucination? Yeah, I know, I know. That's, it's something that people believe. Because if one person had a hallucination and the other people are like, no, there's nothing there. Other people walk out, no, there's nothing there. Hmm. All right, next one. The Lake and Heath Bentwaters Incident, 1956. This is in England. As spooky incidents go, this one's right up there. The UFO sighting took place in England in 1956 when a series of strange lights were seen in the sky over the Bent Waters and Lake Henheath air bases. They were described as being large, glowing objects that were flying at high speeds and performing unusual manoeuvres. The sighting was reported by multiple witnesses, including military personnel. It remains one of the most mysterious and unexplained UFO sightings in Europe. I wonder why UFOs are just like showing themselves doing all this stuff. Why are they always over air bases? No, and also why are they always, <laughs> why are they always like, I know, like seeing everyone? Like why, why do they, why do they people see them? Why do they maybe hide? they try not to. Maybe they're not perfect. Well, or maybe like, they don't care. That's a hard one. But yeah, it's interesting. It, I mean, military personnel were witnesses of it. But maybe not all military personnel knew about some test, some test uh, aircraft they were trying out or something. That's 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 one explanation. All right, should we move on to number seven? The Maori, the Maori, the Maori Island incident, nineteen forty-seven, in Puget Sound, Washington, United States. The Maori Island incident took place where I said, 1947, 
A large donut-shaped object was seen hovering above the waters of Puget Sound. Puget? Puget? Sound and strange objects, including rocks and metal fragments, reportedly fell from the craft and landed on the nearby island of Maury. The sighting was reported by two witnesses, and to this day, the incident continues to generate interest and speculation among UFO enthusiasts. Yeah, so I guess it had like rocks and metal fragments on it, and they fell. So, did they find all these rocks and metal fragments? Because what if these rocks were alien, and what if these metal, mag- metal fragments had technology in them that went out? Maybe. Did they find them? Hmm. Interesting. This one's number eight, Bonnie Bridge, Scotland, the world's UFO hotspot from 1992 to today. So the picturesque town of Bonnie Bridge between Glasgow and Edinburgh is the world's UFO hotspot with more than 6,000 sightings and residents are demanding to know why. Local councillor Billy Buchanan wants a government investigation. Is it military? We don't know, but we demand to know. UFO experts have descended on Bonnie Bridge, but no one can explain the alien crop circles or sightings that began in 1992 when a motorist reported a craft floating over the road nestled between the dark rolling mountains and misty glens. See, I would love to go there and look at all these. Mm. That'd be cool. Interesting. So, you know, there's been 6,000 sightings. Is that people all feeding off each other? Like, I saw a UFO. Oh, yeah, I saw a UFO. Oh, yeah, I saw one. Or, if there's 6,000 of them, I find it hard to disbelieve all 6,000 sightings. Interesting. All right, number nine. The coin helicopter incident, 1973, Ohio, U.S. It's a well-known UFO sighting that took place in Ohio in 1973. According to eyewitness accounts, a U.S. Army Reserve helicopter was flying over Mansfield, Ohio, when it encountered a strange cylindrical object that was reportedly hovering in the air. The object was described as being over 100 feet in length and having several lights on its surface. The helicopter crew reported that their instruments were affected by the presence of the object and that it appeared to be manoeuvring in a way that defied the laws of physics. There you go, breaking the laws of physics. What do you think of that one? What does it mean by moving? So it was moving in a way that you'd be like, an object can't move like that. No way an object can't. Well. Or by plane. Maybe it was going up when there was no apparent thrust. I don't know, it doesn't say. Interesting. And these are Army Reserve helicopter. So, you know, you wouldn't expect people in the Army Reserve to all, let's make up a story about a UFO and tell everybody. I mean, maybe. Maybe people uh, have some pretty crazy things that they do. Number 10, the Delphos UFO sighting, 1971, Delphos, Kansas, U.S., In 1971, a large glowing object was reportedly seen hovering over the sky above Delphos. It was described as being circular in shape and emitting a bright light. The sighting was reported by multiple witnesses. And there's a picture here of, I guess, 
some bright object. And then uh, the final thing, it talks about Area 51 and Roswell. Some of you may be wondering about Area 51, which is so spooky we've dedicated an entire article to it. As for Roswell, the mother of all UFO stories, no object was actually observed, so we parked Roswell to one side. For those who don't know the story, the Roswell UFO incident took place in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947, involving the alleged crash of an extraterrestrial spacecraft and the recovery of its debris by the U.S. debris by the U.S. military. According to the story, the wreckage was taken to a military base, which was kept secret and covered up by the government. See, but I would love to find there's no actual... No one actually saw a UFO. If, like, if people, if people knew where, like, Area 51 is, I'd love to go to Area 51 and see if it's actually mm. real, see if there's actually government. This article says, Unlocking the Spy Secrets of Spooky Area 51. So what do we know about Area 51? Well, it's supposedly an, a place where the government takes crashed UFOs, extraterrestrial, bo- extraterrestrial bodies... And stores them. Or extraterrestrial life means there. Yeah. The Nevada desert hides one of America's biggest secrets, Area 51. I would say it's not a big secret at all. The test site for the world's most advanced espionage programs. The CIA, the Atomic Energy Commission, and other government departments have used the site since 1955 for top-secret nuclear tests, drone trials, and testing spy planes that fly at three times the speed of sound for 3,000 miles without refueling. The site is so secretive, the CIA didn't even admit it existed until 2013. It's northwest of Las Vegas and part of a sprawling 368,000-acre military complex that includes the Nevada Test Site, established for nuclear weapons tests, and the Nevada Test and Training Range for light tests and target practice. Airspace above is restricted. The base is strictly off-limits to uninvited visitors and there are many conspiracies about what exactly they're hiding behind the warning signs, armed guards, and electronic surveillance. Aliens, perhaps, spaceships, evidence that we do not walk alone in the universe. Why so, did someone try and go there? Well, you can't, because it's, it's guarded, and there's, there's like, fences around it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, no, I mean, like... And it's right out in the desert, too, so even if you got through the fence... Crossing to the base itself would be pretty difficult. I mean, look at the picture there. It's like a long, flat plane. And if you imagine walking across that, they would see you coming. There's nowhere to hide. So, how would you do it? Would you dig a tunnel? No, what I mean... Fly? Is like, find where where the road leads into it, right? Yeah. And drive across it and see if there's guards at the gate. You couldn't because there'd be a gate with guards with weapons. Exactly. See if there was guards at the gate. Yeah, there would. There is. We know there is. We know that. Before you get anywhere near the base, you'd come to a gate and there'd be guys with machine guns standing guard. No, you can't enter here, sir or ma'am. Turn around and leave. So they've had spy planes that they've done there, nuclear weapons and deadly secrets. The Manhattan Project, uh, which was their project to create the nuclear bomb, um, they did that in New Mexico and Nevada. So I guess that was the start of an Area 51. There's been radiation leaks, but a lot of people believe that there were UF- there are UFOs 
hidden on the base. One of Area 51's many mysteries is how the spooky military base became a magnet for UFO conspiracy theorists and people convinced it was home to an underground laboratory where spaceships and perhaps even extraterrestrials are hidden away. Have you, have you ever been... So, um, in Grand Theft Auto, right? You can go to Area 51. If what? In GTA. Or yeah, yeah. Auto, right? You can go to um, Area 51. Mm-hmm. You can actually go there, and when you get there, if you can, um, if you say disguise yourself as a cop or something with a mod, you can actually go down and you do actually find spaceships. And yeah, stuff. it's a, it's really really weird. Like you do actually find spaceships in the game, but yeah, but it's a game. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, there was a crash in Roswell, New Mexico, in 1947, which say? is what fuels the legend. They say that it was a flying saucer that crashed. And initially, the U.S. military said that. Then they later said it was a weather balloon. But, because they initially said it was a flying saucer, witnesses have come forward reporting alien sightings and shared stories about spacecraft wreckage brought to the military base near Area 51 as part of a cover-up. Some folks claim to have been abducted. Others recall being operated on by Martians. All seemingly returned to Earth to tell their story. Someone from Mars. Because that's what they originally thought. Oh, they're from Mars. Area 51's alien ties have likely been useful to the intelligence agencies, a harmless distraction from news about radioactive fallout and weapons testing. But in 2019, when two two people announced on Facebook that they had planned... Two million people announced on Facebook that they planned to storm Area 51, the military made it clear that trespassing wasn't an option. Area 51 is open training range for the Air Force and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American Armed Forces. In case that wasn't enough, the US Air Force added, the US Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. So it never happened. The two million people who said they were going to storm Area 51. Um, I wonder what happened with that. I think thought it was two people and then he said two million. No, it was two million. No, I thought you said two, that, two at the start and I was like... Yeah, because it said 2M and I'm like, that can't be right. 2M, 2 million? And then I saw what it was. 2 million people, area 51. Okay. The storm area 51 raid. We're kind of going down a rabbit hole here. Storm Area 51 weekend had neither raids nor aliens, but it wasn't a bust. A meme sent thousands into the desert, and they didn't come back totally empty-handed. Despite what I was promised by the meme that inspired the trip, I did not see them aliens in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. Um, It was a Facebook joke that implored everyone to Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. But all I found were the offline remains of an online phenomenon and the ever-dwindling number of people who were committed enough to trek out into the Nevada desert some 100 miles away from urbanity, urban, ur, urbanity, um, urban, the urban place. Spent Friday, Saturday and Sunday dithering around near the empty towns of Rachel and Hiko. It was unclear if anyone was really in charge. Little was planned. Zero aliens were in attendance, but thankfully no one tried to break into Area 51. Okay. So, some people gathered. 
They were going to storm Area 51. They were going to like, all 2 million people were going to go and walk into Area 51 because how could they stop them all? But then they all went to the desert. Um, and I'm trying to... I don't want to read the whole thing. It's too much. So they called the the event Alien Stock. Um, he bailed in his original plan less than two weeks ahead of time for security concerns due to the town's lack of amenities. But the town of Rachel trudged forward with the same version of Alien Stock. Uh... While Roberts converted his original version to a more imper- impersonal Thursday night dance party in downtown Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, one point, Lincoln County Sheriff's Department estimated there were 30,000 people that they might travel to Rachel Area 51 throughout the weekend. In the end, 6,000 made it out. Visitors weren't exactly met with open arms by Rachel's 54 residents who mostly wanted to be left alone. Uh, but to many who drove out in RVs and pitch tents, Alien Stock was a successful experiment, a perfectly low-key way to send off the summer. So that's about right. Two million people said they were going to come. 6,000 actually went. That's about correct for Facebook events. Um, you know, if I have a party and 40 people say they're coming, you might get two. Whether Alien Stock was a success depends on whom you ask. Uh, mm. I'm waiting for a story to come up with someone found something and then it turns out they just hit it yeah I don't think you're going to get anything like that so yeah 6,000 people came didn't live up to the hype but it wasn't a total disaster it was a great learning experience Wes said when she finally spoke to a group of reporters on Saturday I'm grateful for the rollercoaster of emotions that I've gone through because without them we wouldn't be standing here now but what makes this special and a success is the smiles that people are leaving with and the memories that they've made and the friendships that they've made. That's what matters. So in the end, friendship won. So you mean friendship Some people made friends, you know. they 6,000 people got together. People met each other. Um, they had a shared experience. Nobody actually went to Area 51, which is good because they probably would have been arrested if they were lucky and shot if they weren't. So, so they're all wussies. They wussed out. Yeah, they did. They wussed out, you bunch of wusses. Come on. Maybe if two million people had turned up, they might have done it. No, I don't think so. I, I think the two people at like the gate with machine guns, I think they'd be able to mow down at least half a bit. <laughs> I think as soon as they opened fire, the whole two million people would just turn tail and run. I don't think you'd get too many people trying to uh, run through a, a, you know, not not to just see Area 51. The only time that happens is when people are, you know, having a revolution or something. And they got to, like, the gates and stuff. And, like, yep. All right. Anything else you want to talk about for our uh, UFO edition of the podcast? What do you think? Drop us a line at watchoutlittlered at gmail.com or uh, Peter Peter Can on Facebook and probably Insta, I guess. I'm on I'm on X, but I never use it. Uh, so, yeah, that's all. And it's goodbye from us. Yep. Goodbye from Peter Peter Can and goodbye from Marceline. And this is or was... This was the really, really boring podcast. 
that no one should ever listen to. And that includes you. If you listened, naughty, naughty. Until next time, we are signing off. Oh, wait, we've almost got to one hour. Four, three, two, one.